household with two high-achieving parents was exciting and daunting at the same time. I used to think, well, you know, I will never get anywhere close to there. So that was the vocalist Catherine Russell talking about her mother, the pioneering musician Carlene Ray. The track you're hearing right now is actually a duet between the two of them. Catherine's father, the late Louis Russell, had an orchestra of his own and served as Louis Armstrong's musical director in the 1940s. And Catherine herself has established a career as an in-demand backup singer, touring with David Bowie, Cyndi Lauper, Steely Dan, and many others. So she's toured all over the world, singing in different genres, but never under her own name, until recently. In this interview with producer David Gorn, she discusses how she stepped out from the backing band and into the spotlight to create her own legacy. I'm Alexa Lim, and this is Jazz Stories with Katherine Russell. Oh, now the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. My mother, Carlene Ray, who is a bass player, vocalist, teacher, pianist, guitarist, uh, I grew up looking at her uh, diplomas from both the Juilliard School of Music, and the Manhattan School of Music on the wall every day. (laughs) And uh, I used to think, well, you know, I will never get anywhere close to there. She had a very full career as a pioneering female instrumentalist, you know, in the days when they used to laugh, you know, when women would come in and with, with uh, you know, saxophones and trumpets and, and when when uh, my mother would roll in, you know, the, the amplifier and the guitar or the amplifier and the bass and they'd say, hey, little girl, you know, can I can I carry that for you, you know, and, um, you know, she she has a million stories, obviously, about those days and She's one of the people that paved the way for what I do now. And then uh, I grew up also listening to my father, Lewis Russell's albums, uh, the recordings of both Lewis Russell orchestra recordings from the 20s through the 40s, as well as the period of time where he recorded and worked very closely with Louis Armstrong from the mid-30s to the mid-40s. So it was a house full of all kinds of music. We had several instruments, a grand piano, an organ, uh, a guitar that my mother had played, actually, in the International Sweethearts of Rhythm, uh, the all-female swing orchestra in the 40s. It was a very happy household full of all different types of music. My mother listened to opera, all kinds of classical music, jazz, blues, as well as uh, she had a little radio in the kitchen, so we'd listen to William B. Williams' Make Believe Ballroom every morning, so I got also my American Songbook education. So that's what it was like. (laughs) So really, your grounding in swing is just born to you in a true way. I don't know. You know, my father, Louis Russell, was uh, native to Panama, Central America. So rhythm, I think I grew up uh, with 
Panamanian rhythm with the Latin rhythms. Um, one of the things that uh, the Panamanians used to have would be dances, you know, a lot of different social dances. And so I learned how to dance uh, Calypso style when I was very young, you know. So uh, I kind of, uh, I like anything rhythmic. And I love to dance. I was a dancer first. Dance was very competitive, and I was, I was not competitive like that. So music ended up being what I chose to, uh, to do, you know. And how did you transition into doing that professionally and making that your career? I was also a voice major all through school in choirs uh, through throughout college, uh, part of my college years. And then I started just working with local bands. I moved out to California when I was in my teens. String bands, country swing bands, and started learning how to sing on a microphone and, and uh, different types of skills like that. When I came back to New York, I went to acting school just to to uh, learn to get to know myself better and to gain confidence. And then um, really after that is when I decided I really want to try to make a living and I want to do this for work. I want to sing and see if I can make a living and travel and to tour. I started out locally singing, sitting in, in a lot of clubs in New York City. And it was really note by note, night by night, a lot of hanging out and, uh, you know... (laughs) You started to get some of these higher-profile backup gigs. Yes, and uh, it all came through recommendations and working with musicians and just climbing up through the ranks, really. So in the case of uh, David Bowie, uh, Donald Fagan, Cindy Lauper, Jackson Brown, everyone, Jay Giles Band, everybody that I have worked with, This came from night after night, going to clubs, sitting in, meeting different people, you know, which started really in the 80s for me. And um, in the case of David Bowie, he was looking for, at the time, uh, a a backup vocalist who could play parts on uh, on instruments, you know, so I can play parts on, on guitar and keyboards and different instruments. And so that's really what he wanted. And so Gail Ann Dorsey, who was played bass with him, who's now with Lenny Kravitz, who played bass with him for, I don't know, 10 years or something like that, we had worked on a, on a show with uh, Jane Sibri, who's a great uh, artist uh, from Canada. And so Gail remembered me and recommended me and I ended up doing two tours and an album with David. And um, he utilized everything that I could do. It would, so it was a tremendous, incredible experience. It's a different learning, you know, the focus is on the star. And so what our function is as backup singers is to support them the very best that we can, to know how to dress in solid colors so you don't steal focus, how to move together with other people, how to harmonize and blend, you know, just knowing that you are part of what is enabling that person 
to be better, you know, to, to feel comfortable so that they can do their job. There's a really uh, different skill set to that. Singing lead is all about you. You know, the focus is on you. Your name is on the ticket. The people have paid to see you. So even if you aren't singing, even if I am not singing, people are still watching me. So that is one thing I had to really get used to as a, as a lead vocalist, you know, is that even if uh, the guitarist is taking a solo, the people are still looking at me, you know. So, so you are responsible for your audience, kind of like you're throwing a party, and they're your guests, and you're responsible. You have to know how to take care of your audience from the beginning to the end of the show. And with, this is what I learn from the people that I work for, too, is how they do that you know, and it's so interesting and fascinating for me. So I really am so fortunate, I believe, to do both. How and why did you make the transition from backup to solo? I came home actually in 2004 from uh, my second tour with David Bowie. And uh, I was uh, a little, (laughs) a few years before my 50th year (laughs) of life at that point. And um, my business partner and I said, hmm, what haven't you done in life? Oh, you haven't made your own albums, you know. And, and so he said to me, I want you to get 14 tunes together that you like. And I have a friend in the Chicago area, and I'm going to set that up. We're going to go out there, and we're gonna, he's got a studio, and we're going to demo these songs and then we're going to see what happens. So that eventually turned into the first album called Cat. I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, I just thought, you know, why am I going to do this? It's going to be so hard. And I don't want to be a band leader. I don't want to be the focus. I didn't want to be the center of attention because I'm naturally a shy person, believe it or not. And uh, not anymore. But, you know, uh, at that point, I thought, oh, gee, you know, what? how am I going to do this? And... So, see, he said, you have to do this. You know, people had been asking me over the years, why haven't you made your own album? So this is how that started. And so I uh, did a, a concert at uh, St. Peter's Church. They have an ongoing jazz series on Wednesdays. And I performed there. My business partner invited a couple of uh, record labels down to hear me. And then the next day we were sitting down with uh, Harmonia Mundi label to discuss a record contract for me, and I thought that would never happen for me. So I got the right support and the right help to do this. I never thought that I would, I never wanted to do it. You know, I co-written a bunch of songs years ago with a friend of mine and tried to make an album and tried to finish it, and I thought I wanted to be a rock and roll artist and all different things. But then I was encouraged to reach back and look into my father's catalog and connect with what naturally uh, is is me, you know, which I hadn't really addressed for so many years because I was I was making a, a living as a as a singer and it just hadn't come up. He was a backup man in a way too, right? Yes, yes, he was always a leader because he was always the band leader. He was always the business person, you know. He was the one who paid the band. He was the one who 
you know, uh, would call if they said, well, we need a replacement, you know, in the whatever the trumpet section or whatever. The, he would contact the people and do all this, you know, and specifically in the case of uh, Roy Haynes, you know, for his uh, own orchestra in 1946. He sent Roy Haynes a letter, and that's how Roy Haynes came to New York, you know, to join my father's orchestra. But he wasn't a self aggrandizing, you know, I don't know what the right word would be. He wasn't that person. So he was happy to run things and play second fiddle to Louis Armstrong. So their relationship really worked out well because Louis Armstrong had no interest in the hiring and firing. He had no interest in doing all of that. He wanted to front the band and play music, you know. So actually that relationship worked out uh, very well for them. A lot of my colleagues now say, gee, I never knew this about you, you know, about your father and Louis Armstrong and all this. I said, well, you know, we were in the studio, we were doing, you know, disco records or whatever we were doing, and it just didn't, didn't really come up, you know. So uh, I'm so happy now that this is the way things turned out because the benefits of doing this are really revealing themselves. I get to, to, to play different venues. I get to meet so many different people. I get to travel to different places. I get to do jazz festivals all over the world. I get to go to Europe regularly under my own name. I get to work with so many different artists, and uh, it's been such a blessing. It's been such a blessing. So I can't believe that in midlife <laughs> I have a whole new you know, career. Catherine Russell. You can hear the music of Catherine Russell on Jazz at Lincoln Center Radio at jalc.org. And you can find all of our jazz stories on iTunes. For Jazz Stories, I'm Alexa Lim. Jazz Stories is produced at Murray Street by me with David Gorn and Stephen Rath. Support comes from Jazz at Lincoln Center, so consider becoming a member. You can find complete information at jalc.org. And he begs me, please be still in the dark.